Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mingione. And how are you? Doing well, Russ. How are you? Good, good. And Michael Jello, Mike. Good evening, Russell. I hope you're well rested. Oh yeah, yeah, always am. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get right into hockey. No action tonight, which was uh, very interesting. Uh, I know I had told Mike, and I was listening to a little bit of Michigan against the NTDP, and and it was the Hughes brothers playing each other for the first time. It was it was it was fun. The uh, Krupski, who's a really good guy, um, was doing the uh, broadcast and sounded like it was from the 60s. But <laughs> the one thing I took out of that, when I left it, Hughes had a goal. Hughes, Jack Hughes already had a goal and an assist. And the one thing I took out of that is even when you move up and you play the, the college-level teams so far, there's not a defense that can contain them. Yeah, I would, you know, it seems at least thus far, I mean, I mean, so many people, so so many people are just itching just to fast forward <laughs> potentially to June to see yeah. who's going to, who's going to, who's going to be the one to, uh, who's going to be the team that's going to be able to, to like, to lay claim to his rights. I mean, Hughes is just, you know, he's, he, he, he make help to create sort of a, um, a triumvirate in, in terms of arguments, uh, Again, it, it, it's very obviously it's very soon to make that jump, but you know, in recent years you have McDavid, you've got Matthews, uh, certainly knocking on the door there, and then you had Hughes of the mix. I mean, you really kind of have that that triumvirate that you're looking for, for as a league um, in terms of just you know all time talented type of players. And I mean, I know it's 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 a little early, obviously, with Hughes, but I mean, yeah, you've seen yeah. enough of him at this point to go, yeah, this this kid this kid's something else. Is. Well, and I was, so, oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry, I, I was impressed with the uh, the, uh, the the video that you posted on on Twitter with his. I mean, and, and I've seen him play a couple times before. That his his tight turning ability, his edges, his you know his ability to cut, and, and like I like I said to you, I, it, and I'm not saying that they're equals, but I, like it reminds me of what I've seen out of Mitch Marner in the last couple of years. He, you know, mm-hmm. he's not the fastest player in the league, Marner, but he can he can turn on a dime, and he's got this great vision. And I think you know Hughes is very similar. Now he may be better a better player going forward than 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 Marner is right now, which is saying a lot because Marner is very good. But yeah, I mean he's. I mean, he's definitely going to be the the number one guy. Although, I mean, you know more about that that Finnish kit that's being talked about right now, and you're saying he's better than Linet. Yeah, I not that Keiko. I, I didn't say that Keiko is better than Linet. No, 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 there are other people. There are other people who have said. That. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't go to that length yet. I'm not ready to say that, but yeah. yeah. That's too early. Maybe. 
it's too early. All fun stuff, and even a little AHL action tonight. I know uh, when I saw the tweet that Carter Hart got pulled, Yeah, uh, I wasn't surprised. I mean, again, this is why well, I, he, I wouldn't again, want him they in cashed, the NHL right now. I mean, Spring, Springfield cashed four goals, four power play goals on five chances. Yeah. So we do have to kind of couch that with that understanding. But yeah, you, what, it, it's a case of you don't, you know, you don't want to hang him out to dry for too long. It's one of those again right. learning learning experience things where you go back to the drawing board the next, you know, before the next start. And you know, it, 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 listen, this is where we all know. I mean, for as good as Hart looked in preseason for the for for, for Philadelphia. He, there is a learning curve that's going to be involved in playing against, you know, against men now. You're, it's, 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 it's just different, and we all know this in terms of, you know, for all, everybody who likes to point to um, uh, Carey Price, um, mm-hmm. Price had time down in the AHL, even, oh, yeah. even if it was fast-tracked. I mean, you have to really take your time with goaltenders because, again, it's just it, – it, it, your view line is different. Everything is different. And you're, he's also, again, you're still growing into yourself, both physically and, you know, mentally. Yeah, no doubt. And and so then we we move on back to uh, to game action okay. from the other night. And Russ, let, me just, let, yeah. let me just say one thing about what you brought up to start. Yeah. Um, the, the, the NHL not having games on a Friday night a week in the season. I mean, there's, there's been a couple things that have sort of really bothered me. It's like the, the Edmonton Oilers playing over in Europe and playing one game in a week. And, you know, the game yesterday that they, they were, they lost, I thought, rather embarrassingly, uh, even though it wasn't a blowout, I think it was 3-1 against the Bruins. That was their second game. So, you know, they, they, you know, they had that European vacation, and now they, now they come back, and they've only played two games. And now on the, on the second Friday of the NHL season, like, what, you don't want to compete against the NLCS? It's like, it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't get it, how they could just have no games. It's, it's bizarre. It is a little bizarre. I mean, Ant, you have any uh, thought on that? I mean, when I noticed it earlier this week, I was kind of going through schedules and and kind of laying things out with potential with with the show for this week. When I looked at the schedule, I was like, "Oh, that's awfully early in the season to already be having basically a, a break uh, for teams." And I'm curious, kind of curious as to the the, the schedule makers' ideas and reasons for why they decided to go down to 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 not have a game on a Friday night. Um, just strange. It's just it's a, it's a it's a weird, strange bit of timing, more than anything. Okay, so strange is a good word. We could talk about some strange things in the NHL so far. Uh, I'll start with one of them, and we'll uh, I'll start with you on the reaction. But mm-hmm. right now, the New Jersey Devils are Keith Kincaid's team. I wouldn't have said that a year and a half ago, but even 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 if Corey Schneider says, yeah, I can play next game, I don't think you could take him out right now. I think it's the same situation as last year. You kind of have to leave him in. No, I, early on, at least, again, if you're the Devils in, in, in a division like the Metro, you have to 
mean you have to get that early head of steam going. And early on, I think to their to the devil's credit here, they are in fact you know they're doing a pr- again I think doing a pretty pretty solid job early out of the game. Again, it gets only two games in, but um, I've liked how they looked again it, it, thus far. I mean, I them taking the way they took out Washington the other night. It was very impressive. It was a very impressive performance uh, to, to get a six. I guess as considering how the Caps had against a lot of opponents already to start the season had also um, had done quite a number on some pretty good teams at the same time. No doubt. Um, Mike? That's, oh, sorry. I didn't know you weren't on an ant. Sorry about that. It's okay, no problem. And just in terms of that, again, they play again. They had Kincaid in net the other night as well. Um, I know playing in for, for that game, but that was his. I believe that's his fifth shutout um, in his career. So yeah. So as much as we want to say you want to ride with with Schneider, it's 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 very com- good comfort to know that you've got a very capable backup in, in Kincaid. No question. Yeah, I'm I'm not ready to anoint Kincaid. I mean, I I, I grant. You know, his play at the end of the year last year saved their season, got him in the got him in the playoffs, and you know he deserves all the respect you know for that. And you know right now Schneider's injured, so they have no choice but to go to Kincaid. But once Schneider is healthy, I mean I know that the, there are continuing problems with him. It's it's been an ongoing thing with him. But Kincaid's a UFA at the end of the year, and Schneider is under contract for I think three more years at six million dollars. Even just even just to reestablish his value, you have to go back to Schneider. You know, if you want to, if, if if your goal is that you're sold on Kincaid and you want to keep him as your guy, you still have to prove to other NHL teams if you want to trade Schneider that he can be a number one. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be able to trade him because he's got 18 million dollars in salary owed to him the next three years. So I think one way or the other, they're going to go back to Schneider. I think he'll play again, but I I don't know if they'll ever go back to him, and it'll be his team. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that'll happen. That's all. Man, so, we all know things happen in ebbs and flows at the end of the day. You know, teams get hot, player cools off, and, you know, you ride the hot – you can ride your hot hand, but try to maintain some level of, of reason, uh, at least early, you know, in terms of when you want to put – your backup, you know, when you put you want to put your other goaltender in there, and I trust me again, it with Philadelphia, we saw enough of yeah, that last yeah. year. Where if you ride a guy for too long, you're left to you're left to piecemealing everything together. That's true. So we um, we talk about Philadelphia, and I have to say, I you know I watched the the game against the Sens, and certainly Kachuk had a uh, had a really good game, and Voracek had a had a career game, but I really thought Craig Anderson just <laughs> didn't show up. And, and so, and I think for a couple of periods, the Flyers defense still didn't show up. So I, I still don't know what the Flyers are. I, they're not, they're not playing nope. as well as I thought they should have out of the gate. No, that's again, it's another semi, again, it's, it's, it's kind of an up and down start, at least to start the year. But yeah, the defense Certainly has been a bit of a concern. We saw that certainly uh, in, a, in a large form in the uh, in uh, Tuesday night's game uh, home opener against the, against the Sharks, where they were just at you know they they were dismantled uh, in that game, um, and the players knew it. 
it's it, there's again we're, we're at the early on part here again where it's just how much identity do we know about a team just yet especially when you're starting to get as many injuries as Philadelphia has now gotten especially on their forward core when you're when you lose James Van Reems like for a month and a half when you lose um, a Nolan Patrick for seven to eight days seven to eight days when you lose potentially. Um, Travis uh, Travis Konechny, uh to a pre- to a foot to a, a lower body injury in practice, which again we'll be waiting on tomorrow to see what the word is going to be officially on him. Um, it's tough to get cohesion uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, but I mean, at the end of the day, ho- you know, hockey is hockey, and you're going to have to adapt and deal with those situations as a team. But Defense has been certainly, in my mind, probably the biggest concern for them, especially after the first pair. And honestly, I have to say, the you know, well, I think Shane Gossesper has played well so far. Mm-hmm. Ivan Provov has not looked like his his, his, his old self from last season. There, there's something no. up there that I'm not sh- quite sure what's going on, but he's he's made he's made some he, he has struggled. He's made some mistakes uh, in in the first few games for sure. <clears throat> Mike, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I saw more of the game against San Jose, which, for you know, from a positive Flyers perspective, perspective is not, uh, it's not a good thing because they didn't really play very well, and, and it sort of fulfilled my uh, prophecy regarding Brian Elliott, which is I, I don't think this team will. They may make the playoffs, but I think it'll be in spite of Brian Elliott, not because of him. Because I, over the years, whether he's been in St. Louis or in Calgary or in Philadelphia, you know, he gets he he has a month or two where he's a world beater and he looks great and then the rest of the time I think he's rather pedestrian and he usually he doesn't come up big in the playoffs now last year he was hurt coming you know, hurt in the playoffs and uh, and he did the best he could but I you know until they get Carter Hart and it's not going to be until at least next year I think this is going to be Hackstall hodgepodging it together between Neuvers and you know maybe Calvin Pickard if they keep him and and Elliot and I, I think that overrides the concerns about their defense or even about injuries at, at, at forward because I think, you know, they'll get Van Riemsdyk back. They'll get Patrick back. They they have some firepower up front. But, uh, you know, with me, it's the goaltending, and it always has been and always will be the goaltending at Philadelphia. I mean, there's a lot of injuries going around the league for sure. I saw that the, um, the Senators had three guys that they just <laughs> – they just – put on IR like it's right now early part of the year and a lot of young talent is saving a lot of teams because a lot of guys are sort of getting their first look whether the team's planned on it or not and and that's sort of that's sort of helping the league and I guess going forward it's it's a pretty big deal so we'll you know we'll have to keep an eye on that I mean that's certainly something that teams are lucky when they can do that uh now, Ant, let's talk about Florida because, you know, so far Mike can can say that he was right, and we know that he likes to uh, about Roberto <laughs> Luongo. But I'm not ready to to throw in their season just yet because luckily Luongo will be back. But I have to say, it did put a little early damper on it, and it is one of those things where you kind of hope the rest of their goaltending will be able to hold up for them. Yeah, I mean, certainly, it's it, 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 it's certainly been an up and down 
start for for them. I mean, out of the gate, they're I mean, they're not a huge differential in terms of goals and uh, goals and assists in their circumstance. But again, you continuing to ride with with Longo and not sort of improving their goaltending situation is something that again, as Mike mentioned, in terms of goaltending, that that's got to be an area that it has to be of has to be a certain level of concern with that. Um, and again, this is a you're talking to a person who has the Panthers kind of as a surprise team to make some noise in the postseason this year. Not necessarily to win to get a goal of the way, but I think the Panthers have a chance with their talent level to really uh, to really kind of to really surprise and make some noise. But it's a slow start, no question. And if, again, they'll have to somehow, as you said, sort of piecemeal the goaltending situation until. You know, things sort of write themselves with him. Mike? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I, and I, I, it's, it's funny because I, I like the Panthers. I like their forwards. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, their strength up the middle with, with Trocek and with Barkov. I think they've improved their, their offense on the wings with the addition of Hoffman. And, you know, he's got Ekblad. I mean, there's, they're a good team, but I, I think that, you know, they're in the mix of the wild card and the, the random element going into the regular season was how much of the long are you going to get? And I said, you know, 50 to 55 games. And it's pretty you know, unfortunate for them that it was a fluke injury in game one, and he's going to be out for, what, two to four weeks. The yeah. less you play James Reimer, the better. I mean, he's, a, he's an adequate backup. But they paid him as if he's the assumptive starter when they signed him, as a, when, they, when, when they, they acquired him. And I know from, you know, obviously his work in Toronto that, that he's not capable of that. He's too inconsistent. And last year when Luongo was out, he proved his inconsistency. He had a month where he was fantastic, and then he dropped off like a stone. So that, that's, that's the thing. It's like the less they have to play James Reimer, the better their chances are of making the playoffs. All right, so now teams with slow starts, you know, the Edmonton Oilers, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Arizona Coyotes have got something weird going on. And of all the differentials, like the, the Devils are 11-2. to two. Okay, that'll certainly change at some point. Arizona's played three games. Their differential is mm-hmm. three goals for and six yeah. against in three games. Yeah. It, it almost defies logic. Yeah, it does. It's kind of a wild turn, certainly with the with Vegas and from watching them from the opener and even uh, the other night against Pittsburgh. You know, you're too tough, uh, <laughs> especially to do an encore uh on, on uh, when you have the debut that Vegas had but we all kind of said in the back of our heads with all the improvements you know with added players that they added up front and Stotsny and and Packer uh, and Pacioretty we still mm-hmm. looked at the blue line and said there's some concerns there again they I, I felt that they and I said this the other night I said well, Washington really laid out the blueprint for teams to attack the Knights you have to be you know they they were people got overwhelmed by their speed their their forward speed last season but once you started to be able to sort of figure out their defense, um, their defensive situation, um, they were exposed. And that's how teams are attacking them this year. They are making sure to make it difficult for them to get through the neutral zone, to counter to counter rush them quickly. There's too many gaps um, when, they, when they're trying to get transition play going up the ice. 
And that's something Gallant's going to have to try to get a hold of because, again, the team, his team is one and four out of the gate, and it, it you know it's it, it was a, it was a rough go against Pittsburgh the other night, no question. So, Mike, well, what, what about Vegas? Yeah, they're winless at home, and then if you have anything to say about Arizona too. Well, I mean, and, and we talked about this in the Buzzcast today. I think it was a little bit. Um, unfair again attacking the schedule maker here they had two games at home and then they go on a five game road trip and then the last game I believe is tomorrow afternoon against the Flyers um, you know that that's a little bit I mean it's a little hefty right at the beginning of the season plus you know they, lo- they lose Stasny and you know there was going to be a sort of a loss of the magic that they had last year I mean everything broke right for them so you know, this is sort of a come down to reality but they're going to be going back home after Saturday afternoon's game. I think they have five games in a row, so they should – there's too much talent there, and, and you know, it should counterbalance. I think they, you know, they're, they're missing Nate Schmidt. It's clear that you know, he's, you know, he's somebody who drives that team in terms of rushing the puck, and you know, Shea Theodore missed a lot of training camp with the contract impasse. So I think there are a number of contributing factors that, you know, that – brought about that slow start. As for, as for Arizona, I mean, the thing that's killing them right now is they don't go out and get Galchenyuk for Domi, and Galchenyuk is hurt. They, uh, you know, Christian Dvorak is one of their better offensive players. He's on the IR. You know, they're, you know guy, guys like Richard Ponick and Vinny Hinestroza are not going to carry the ball for you, and that, that just increases more of the pressure on the Kellers and the Stepans to carry the bulk of the offense and you know you've got a lot of young players there and I, I think they need those those more experienced guys like uh like Galchenyuk to provide some goal scoring so you know I, I mean six goals in three games is not bad but three is not going to cut it right and that's and that's something where you look at it and you say oh that's a that's a little scary I mean last year they started off slow too you can't do that every year uh I also look at the St. Louis Blues, and, and I picked them out of the playoffs because I started looking at all the other teams in the West and said, they, they don't stack up in net. They stack up everywhere else. And sure enough, in their first three, you know, they've given up 13 goals already and only scored 10. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it, again, that's, that's, it's slow. Again, only three games, and we always have to couch this with that. With yep. that particular understanding in that circumstance, but I think for me, again, I know where I had um, I had St. Louis as a playoff team, but not a team that's necessarily. I mean, they could. I think they could potentially. They're good for a round. I don't. It, but in that particular division, especially in the Central, to me, it's going to be a tough year for them. It's going to be tough for them to to emerge, especially when you still have sort of Winnipeg hovering around. Colorado's off to obviously a very good start, but um, yeah, there's a lot of parts that went into change that 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 were changed for the Blues, and that's something that you know Mike Eo's got to try to figure out and get a hold of to put together here. But again, it's not necessarily going to matter if again they're back end they're. They're giving up as many goals as they're giving up to start the season. So it's not a good recipe. Mike. Yeah, I mean, with with the Blues, I mean, they they redid their center core. You know, they they add they add Bozak in free agency. They they trade for Ryan O'Reilly. 
Uh, they bring in Robert Thomas and Cairo. So, you know, forwards, I think they're fine in defense, you know, with, you know, with Pareto and Bo Meester and, and Peter Angelo. I think they've been solid. But, it, oh, it, I mean, Russ, how many times – I'm tired of talking about Jake Allen. You know, Jake Allen, it's, 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 a, it's a situation where in the last three years, what's the problem with the Blues? Jake Allen. I mean, Jake, you know, Jake Allen has a good month, and then, and then all of a sudden he drops off, and you say, well, that's Jake Allen. That's what he is. And, I mean, you know, it's hardly a, a, a unique story because there are other teams, like we just talked with Philadelphia about Brian Elliott, there are other teams that are struggling with, you know, pedestrian goaltending. But this is a team that, I mean, made moves con- consistent with them wanting to contend in the Western Conference. But the one thing that they didn't do is add the guy who is add the type of player in goal that has killed them in the past. I mean, it, it, it did with Halak. It's done it with, it did it with Elliott. They had Brian Miller for a cup of coffee, and now Jake Allen the last few years. The difference is if you get yourself a number one goaltender who can steal you games, they might have a chance in the West. If you have Jake Allen, I don't think they have a chance. No, I, I agree. So let's talk about uh, the Austin Watson case because hmm. even the NHL is not thrilled that the NHLPA went and fought it, but you knew they would. And – you knew they would get a reduction, but from 27 games to 18, and that's that's more of a reduction I think than anybody thought. And again, I get that it's somebody's paycheck, but I also get that it's domestic violence and it's proven. This is a tough one. This is one where, you know, again, when you go to the next CBA, you kind of wonder if these kinds of things are going to be talked about. Yeah, and that, and that, I would say, is kind of curious as well that one of the things I wasn't aware of was the fact that the arbiter originally worked for major was, was a Major League Baseball arbitrator at one point, and, yeah. and that the Major League Baseball had let him go. And I and I and I kind of open had an open-ended question of wondering, you know, why why was that? And again, I, I, it's not for me. I guess it's it, it's just it, it's curious to say the least, sure. at least from my perspective. I don't want to be careless with regards to the guy's credentials as a um, right, right. credentials as an arbitrator, but um, it seemed, it was a very, I don't want to use the phrase anybody, you know, losing, you know, nine games off the thing and saying it's, it's player friendly, you know, it, it's a player friendly decision, but, you know, it does take the teeth out of, I think a little bit out of the, uh, out of the league's, abilities here, I guess you could say, in the circumstance to sort of police this kind of thing. And again, it's it's a little it's a tough pill it's a very tough pill to swallow, it really is, especially if you're trying to make a statement of, of that 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 personal conduct is is a big part of, you know, what goes into being um a public figure uh in in you know and playing playing in the National Hockey League and being, you know, a potential role you know, being a role model again for young for young players and it's it's tough for that. It's going to be you know I think tough for some Nashville fans. Some others may be able to sweep it under the rug and say you know that's somebody else's personal business. But in reality, once it's out there and you're charged, you know you have to you know I think I think with the league the league's original penalty I think was warranted and the reduction is not something I agree with. Mike, 
Well, the statement that the PA released on Twitter tonight, I mean, I, know I saw some reaction to it, and it was like in the statement they, they, they referred to the fact that as part of, like, rookie orientation, they, you know, they, uh, they address, you know, domestic violence and, and you know, the, the, the obviously the negatives and the evils of it. And, I mean, the PA is, is caught in sort of a weird position here because they have to defend the player because, you know, against against the suspension from the league, but, you know, the situation was not disputed in terms of what he did. And, I mean, it, it's, it's, just, it's just a situation where, I, again, you, you mentioned it as part of the new CBA. I mean, this is obviously going to be something that they're going to touch on, and the league – you know, wants to be able to, I think, be punitive in their in their penalties uh, of a, of a player who does this because it's not acceptable in society. And I think, you know, first of all, or another thing is that you know the Voyanov situation, which we've it's been sort of hanging out there. Um, you know that no no team yet has has uh, gone down the road of uh, of showing interest in signing him, but th- apparently there were teams interested. And you know, is this penalty to Watson? Is it sort of a uh, a basis for what Boynoff is going to get if a team tries to trade for his rights from the Kings? So you know, I mean, this is not a situation that's going away for the National Hockey League, and they're going to have to deal with it one way or the other. And the PA, I think, is taking a hit PR-wise, and I think in a way they deserve it. Yeah, I think we're going to see headlines. In a few weeks, hey, Voinov's, you know, Achilles is, is healed. Now what? And I think there there is going to be a ruling, and then there will be another PA situation before a team even can get him, you know, on a roster, which is just. But again, yeah, I think this is something now that, that will affect the, uh, the next CBA for sure because – but again, Ant, I mean, this is why the PA has Donald Fear. I mean, they used to be, I, I, I've often said, the NHLPA used to be one of the weakest, and now, you know, the NFL's is the weakest, and the NBA's yeah. probably next, and mm-hmm. baseball's probably next, and the NHLPA is now the strongest because that's what Donald Fear does. Yeah, and that's, again, if I'm a player, I'm very, very happy about the fact that he's, that he's, he's representing the, that he represents the union in, the, in these circumstances. Um, yeah, I mean, his track right as much as you may not like it. Again, the tra- you know, the certain things in terms of lockouts and strikes and things of that sort. At the end of the day, you know, he does he he, he carries the mill and does the job that the players want him to do. All right. So last subject, and we did just touch on the bad start from the Edmonton Oilers, and I don't know if you had him for the playoffs this year. I didn't. They do have no. Connor McDavid. They do have Cam Talbot, and they have Tricell. They have some good talent. They have some mediocre talent. Like this is gonna. This now seems like this is still gonna be a couple of years until the Oilers can straighten this out. And I don't know if it'll be the current regime or there'll be a new regime. But you know, you're, it's a good thing they signed Connor McDavid to a long-term deal because a lot of years are being wasted. Yeah, and the biggest thing again that concerns me about the Oilers is, is much about their forward core. Their blue line is really is just not very good. It just really is not a very good blue line for that team. Uh, that really concerns me. 
uh, about them going forward. That's something that they, if they're going to try to play a fast game that is commiserate with one of the best, having one of the best players in the world, it's going to be a bit of a rough go again. I, I, I don't and individually man for man. I, I'm not, I don't, I, I like Adam Larson, but he is limited in certain areas. The fact they had to push Evan Bouchard into the league as quickly as they did in his first year, I have my concerns uh, with that as well. The fact they had to go out and sign Jason Garrison, who he's defense yeah. optional at this point of his career in terms of his game. Defense optional, um, I like that actually. Yeah, just a guard. <laughs> he's an offensive, you know, he's offensive. He's an offensive defenseman, um, and that's what he is at this point. Um, the over reliance on Chris Russell. Um, I mean, I like Darnell Nurse, but Nurse is probably in a role with that team that isn't quite um, where he needs to be. That, to me, I focus in a lot on them more than anything. But again, their their, their salary situation is what it is right now, certainly. But if you look throughout their lineup, if, when you go beyond um, Connor McDavid, you know, you have Ad Milan Lucic, who is just not the player he was before. I understood why they made the signing at that point. They, you know, they had certainly paid some level of dividends in in the first year uh, that when he was brought in, but now that contract has an absolute albatross on them. Mike, I'm going to switch this and say, with the Leafs' great start and all of that, they still have defensive deficiencies. Do you worry that, you know, if they lose? Gardner and don't make the right deal either this season or in the off season, does their defense get that bad? No, because I mean the one thing that the Leafs are not doing is you know, putting in an 18-year-old defenseman. Uh, you know, now they control the minutes on Bouchard and they're not throwing them to the Wolves. But I mean, he should be in London and he shouldn't be anywhere near the NHL. In spite of how good I think he's going to be as a defenseman. I mean, Edmonton runs things the wrong way. They have for a long time. They continue to do so. I mean, with the Leafs, you know, if Gardner, and I don't think they're going to be able to afford Gardner uh, as, a, as a pending unrestricted free agent uh, next summer because he's probably going to get six to six and a half and maybe even seven on the open market if he has another big offensive year. You know, they're probably going to move Timothy Liljegren into the NHL, and he'll have two years at the AHL level. Um, you know, under his belt, and I think he'll be able to handle the NHL uh, a lot better than somebody like Bouchard as an 18-year-old. So I think, you know, they'll they'll do that, and I'm sure they're going to try to go out and probably either trade for a veteran who has a a a, uh, a price point that they know that they can handle salary cap wise. I mean, I think they're going to do that at the deadline. Actually, I think if they do trade for somebody, it's not going to be somebody who's a rental. It's going to be somebody who's got a year or two left in his deal, so that when Gardner does leave, it's going to he'll that person will provide them a little bit of cover uh, in terms of another year or another another two at a, at, a, at a set price point. But I mean, I mean, they have to improve defensively. It's like. Uh, you know, they're not going to score at this ridiculous pace for the entire season. And last night against, a, to my mind, a woeful Detroit team, you know, they tried yeah. to sit on a 3-1, 3-1 lead. 
They gave up a goal to make it 3-2. They gave up a goal to make it 4-3. They held on by their fingernails against a team that's a bottom five team, and they did it, did it against Chicago, and to an extent they did it against Dallas. So, you know, it's fun. It's, it's great when offense is wide open and they can take advantage of their talents offensively and win these games. But in November and December when things tighten up, they're not going to be able to score as many goals as they're doing right now. Agreed. Uh, Ant, I have a last thought with you. So, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow the Flyers play the Vegas Golden Knights. And mm-hmm. I just have this feeling, just like with the uh, Philly Fanatic, do we see Gritty doing something to like a sword? Like, you know how the Fanatic would crush batting helmets? Uh, are we at the point yet in Gritty's career where maybe he gets a sword, he blows it up, he breaks it, bends it? Do we think that that's going to happen tomorrow? Something with a sword. Hmm. Or something to make in general. You know, whatever you I'm sure there is. I mean, I'm sure there's something in the offing. Um, What exactly that might be with with Gritty, I don't know. Um, Yeah, that's... I'm (laughs) completely... I'm thinking of the possibilities, and let's face it, the possibilities are probably infinite. Mike's got one. It sounds how about, like. Mike? How, no, I was going to say, how about he impales himself on the sword? Oh, I don't think he'll be able to do that. He's just He's got too much... Uh, too much, much girth there. Too much girth, man. You know? This, he, this sword may break on him. <laughs> the sword may break sword on may him. break on him. It's a butter knife. It can cut through anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. And just, I promise this is the last week I bring up Gritty. I don't think there's any Thank reason you. to anymore. But no, you said that last week. You're done. Now, you, you will be there. There's a Gritty feature every week because you're obsessed with him, Russell. There's. It's, How many of this is. You're obsessed. Because I don't know. Just admit, I, you, you need to just admit to it and just. It, 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 that's, that's the first step you need to take. <laughs> I can't admit to it. Oh. Uh, I'm not ready to. Of course I not, you hardhead. <laughs> How many of his rookie I, cards did you buy? I didn't buy any of his of his rookie cards. They're not out yet. Uh, I don't know if I'll get one or not. That's that's fine. I could live with that. You I just, will. We haven't, we haven't seen him attack teams yet, and that's the only reason I brought it up, because it's early in his career. I feel like Gritty is a prospect mascot, and as a result, I need to report on him. And if you want to... Make fun hey, of that. I waved. Fine. Hey, listen. He said it was weird the other night at the opener. Where all of a sudden I'm talking to you. I suddenly look up, <laughs> and there's this big giant orange face staring at me. And the only thing I could think of doing was he's looking at me. We stare at each other, and I wave yep. like a little kid. And he waves back the same way. And I'm like, Yeah. Did I just do that? <laughs> yeah. It was. It was bizarre. It really was. It, it was, was bizarre. bizarre. It was moment. like he, he elicits bizarre responses out of people, which I guess yeah. is the kind yeah. of the purpose of the mascot. <laughs> yeah, I just, wonder, I just wonder. I just wonder whether Gritty will accompany the Flyers to Vegas because then if he goes out and visits the chicken ranches outside of Clark County, that would be sort of gritty. <laughs> All right. That's it for Off the Post. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.